everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Dalapena, and on this episode, we have USA Women's Captain Sindhu Sriharsha. Before she came to America, she was known as Sindhu Ashok, where she played extensively for Karnataka, also represented India under 21s in India A in a very productive domestic career in India. And then she got married, came over to the USA, now she's known as Sindhu Sriharsha. And since 2016, she's been representing USA on the field. And from May 4th to May 15th, she's going to captain the Warriors squad in the six-team fair break T20 women's event held in Dubai. There's players from 35 different countries who are part of the fair break event, but Sindhu is the only captain of the six captains in the event who is from an associate country. She's one of four American players in the event, along with Tara Nars, Geetika Kadali, and Shabani Bhaskar. This is the first part of a two-part interview. She captained the Warriors squad on the opening night of the Fairbreak Invitational against Falcons. And so that tournament is underway by the time this podcast goes up. But Sindhu recorded this interview just before she left. She's going to be in Dubai for the next two weeks. And we'll talk about Fairbreak, USA, her India career, and a whole lot more over the course of this two-part interview but before we get to the interview with Sindhu Sriharsha I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium and I want to give a big hearty congratulations to Saki Muhammad, Samuel Plummer who's the head curator at Musa and everybody else who is involved with Musa Cricket Stadium. Congratulate them on getting ODI status accreditation for the facility. It's a big big effort that's been put in by Saki Muhammad in particular who's the owner of the ground He's invested a lot of his own money a couple million dollars out of his own pocket to cultivate this private facility that is now going to be opened up to the world not just the cricketers in america but players from all around the world specifically in the next month or so scotland UAE, Nepal, and Oman, those are the four international countries that will be playing the first 12 ODIs in the state of Texas that starts on May 28th. And so everybody in and around Houston and around Pearland, the rest of Texas, the rest of America, people from Scotland, people from Nepal, wherever you are in the world, if you're thinking of coming down for this series, I encourage you to do so because it's going to be a great occasion to have international cricket in Texas and Moose Cricket Stadium is going to be right at the heart of it so congratulations again to Saki Muhammad and everybody else involved with Musa Cricket Stadium and we appreciate them for continuing to sponsor the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast as they've done almost from the start and again Musa Cricket Stadium now the first ODI accredited venue in the state of Texas and to get a bit more information and have a better look at Musa Cricket Stadium and what's going on there you can check it out at www.musastadium.com that's MW OSAstadium.com, Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm joined by USA Women's National Team Captain Sindhu Sriharsha. Sindhu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for inviting me on your on your podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. You're the first. USA captain, active captain, that we've got on the show. We're making oh. history today. Glad to have you here. Less than a day until you get on the plane. By the time this podcast airs, you will be already in Dubai, but you're on your way, getting ready to go off to Dubai for the Fair Break Invitational Women's T20 Franchise Event, 
which runs from May 4th to the 15th in Dubai. It's a six-team event, star-studded event. You're one of the six captains. You're the only captain from an associate country. Very distinguished honor for you. And that tells a lot of people about your pedigree in the scheme of associate cricket and world cricket. So fair break. I know you had an opportunity to go to Australia a couple of years ago. It was right before the pandemic. Um, But this time it's a much, much bigger scale event in terms of the number of players and the scale of the players that they're bringing in from all around the world. You're one of four USA players taking part in this event, along with Shivani Bhaskar, Tara Norris, and Geetika Kadali, who Geetika was also in the event in Australia in 2020, right before the pandemic. But there's an awful lot happening coming up in Dubai. What does it mean to you to be the only associate captain for one of the six franchise teams in this event? First of all, I don't think it's sunk in really yet. I think when you actually texted me and told me you're the only associate, that's when it kind of started you know, sinking in. Um, I think they were yet to announce. The last one was announced a few hours back, which was Heather Knight. So what an honor, right? I mean, I don't think I would have dreamt about this opportunity coming my way a few years back if you had told me that I would be doing this, you know, in Dubai for two weeks, playing with all of these players that I would be playing with. I don't think I I have dreamt about it. It's definitely a great uh, opportunity. And also, I think this kind of provides an opening for the other associate cricketers and other uh, leaders that are there in other countries. Also just gives them an opportunity and opens up the doors for them as well. I'm the only representative in the leadership group, but I do know that many other country captains are also part of this tournament. So it's not just me, but I think in the future, I hope there'll be a lot more associate level cricketers leading those teams and getting that opportunity. Well, just within your squad itself, Catherine Bryce, who is the women's associate player of the decade, Scotland captain, She's in your squad, as well as Mignon Dupreya, former South Africa captain. Got Haley Matthews from the West Indies. Georgia Redmayne from Australia is in your squad. Players, as you mentioned, from around the associate world, spread amongst a lot of the other squads. You've got Mariana Martinez, who's from Argentina, who you would have played against in the Women's America's D20 qualifier in Mexico back in October. There's a player from the Philippines, Jennifer Alumbro, who's in your squad. But then across the rest of the squads, some of the other players who may be familiar, at least from the American or the Americas regional perspective, number of Brazilian players, including Roberta Moretti Avery, Brazil captain, who's quite popular. And one player in particular I want to ask you about, Sindhu, mm-hmm. in the Tornadoes squad, Divya Saxena. What's that reunion going to be like? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, I think... Um... It's going to be very cordial, um, definitely. Um, it's been a few months since what has happened on the game of the fifth game of the Mexico tournament that we had in October. We've had some time to cool off, <laughs> settle things down a little bit, had some time to, for those who haven't seen the clip, you're laughing about it now. It wasn't so funny in the moment, but for those people who haven't seen it, if they exist, there's a clip that went viral, Divya Saxena, the Canada opener who miraculously got away with obstructing the field when she top-edged a delivery off Sarah Farouk and tried to basically hip-check 
about three or four of your teammates, as well as get in your path from trying to come out from behind the stumps to catch the ball. Take us through that moment. You're able to laugh about it now. But when you were on the field as it was happening, whether as a player or as the USA captain, what was your immediate reaction to what unfolded right in front of your eyes? Well, I think, first of all, it happened so quickly. I have to give it to her. I don't know if she was also in the moment. She probably just, you know, uh, didn't know what she was doing as well. And even only after I actually looked at the video, the clip that was going around the day later is when I realized that it was it was so evident. But um, of course, in that moment, it was it all happened so quickly. Definitely a lot of them over there, uh, including me, we did appeal with the umpires and at the end of the day, we got to respect whatever the umpires are going to let us know. And there has been a few instances that Julia Price has mentioned to me a few times that I have to control my emotions a little bit on the field, which I come across as very intense to the umpires and also the players. So I'm working on that. It's a work in progress. So that was one of my uh, moments that I should say that I behaved the way I should have behaved. So I, I would pat myself and say that was the right way to do it. And hopefully uh, USA is known for respecting and playing in the right spirit. If anything, that was the absolute moment to go unleash yourself. <laughs> I have done that before. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to take it. And I'm not going to, I'm not done that. I mean, not done that recently, but definitely have done that before. But it's a learning, I guess. Um, we got to respect. There are a lot of youngsters in the team, as you know. It's important that they learn things the right way and understand that, you know, the game is bigger than anything and being able to respect the game and respect the umpires out there. They're out there to do the job for us. So just kind of respect that. And of course, you know, I'm sure uh, Divya has taken a look at it and I'm sure she is also, uh, you know, in hindsight might have some other thoughts about it. So it'll be, I'm sure she has also had a few months to think over it. <laughs> What was the most surprising part of that sequence for you? Was it the fact that she ran towards the path of the ball as it was coming down, essentially to attempt to obstruct the field? Or were you more surprised at the fact that the umpires gave it not out? I was more surprised with the umpire giving it not out. Just in I the think, moment or when you looked at the replay or both? Oh, when I looked at the replay. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious in the replay that, you know, that she was running towards the ball because it was not in line of running to take a run. But give it, let's let's give, also give it to the umpires. Right, Everything happened in a few seconds. Today, we are able to look at those pictures and the videos and analyze it. But the umpires out there. The we are out there and also us as USA cricketers out there, we did not have the time and we haven't looked at that videos on when we are playing it, it, everything happened in a few seconds. So we have to give it to all players out there to, you know, and take it that, you know, take it as what had happened. The only thing I could say in the umpire's defense was maybe he was so shocked and he, he was confused that he didn't know how to react. Did his, did he believe his lion eyes? Did he actually see what, what he think he saw happen in front of him? Or was it a mirage? Was it a figment of his imagination? It was just so bizarre. Me and Andrew Leonard were on the cover boundary. And I was actually, I was taking a break from taking photos. And I was in the commentary booth with him at the time. And we didn't have an immediate replay. And so just on the live shot and just from our angle, it looked very innocuous. It didn't look anything serious or anything that would have caused suspicion but the only thing that gave us a moment's pause was the number of USA players who were appealing. We thought, yeah. geez, you know, there's four or five of you who were all appealing there for a delivery that just 
it just went in the air. Yeah, she, she ran forward because from our angle in the cover is square the wicket. It looked like she was just running straight back and forth. The best angle mm-hmm. was essentially where the parents were sitting yeah. at Long On. There were so many USA parents who traveled and family members who traveled. And they were jumping up and down immediately because yeah. they had a really good angle and they saw what happened. <laughs> but from I'm sure was... they were very animated. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again. To think about it, I mean, it hurt us a lot more because we lost the game, right? We lost the game. We played badly as well. I think, you know, we should have chased that down, but, you know, we lost by uh, way seven runs, I believe. But, you know, we should have chased that down. So having said that, you know, that's not an excuse, but that we would have taken that wicket any day, get her out by zero. We would have taken that. She went on to score a 40 and we lost the game. So I think it hurt us a lot more. Thinking back, we looked into those videos again and again, and that hurt us because we had lost the game. You lost the battle, but you won the war. He finishes the champions of the qualifier out of Mexico, five and one, finishing first above Brazil, who was in second place, who beat Canada twice in very, very dramatic circumstances, including five wickets and five balls on the last day, pending a very low total. I can't remember the exact number, but it was in the 40s. Um, And then Canada third and Argentina in last place. What did that mean to you? captaining a young squad you touched on it a little bit earlier there were so many young players more than half the squad was teenagers that was brought to Mexico and the fact that it was a inexperienced squad an untested and unproven squad and the fact that you were able to guide them in the manner that you did what was the most satisfying aspect of that tournament performance and what do you remember most about what it meant to you to lead that team to victory we went around the table after the tournament. We we were talking about as a team, we sat down for dinner and then we went round about and we talked about what was your best moment and the worst moment of the tournament. And um, in that, I did mention the first ball wicket for Suhani was the best moment of the tournament for me personally, only because I have seen Suhani win since she was nine years old. Nadia and I, we were we used to coach those little kids uh, back in 2013, 2014 in the Bay Area. And Suhani is, was one of her first students. So having uh, seen her since she was nine years old or nine, 10 years old, and to be able to play along with her and actually being part of her first wicket, I think that gave me a lot more happiness than you know me going out there and winning the runs or getting my 100 or getting my 50. Seeing these little girls out there, I have seen them especially the Bay Area girls, I've been very close to them and, you know, I've been uh, looking at, I mean, been mentoring them for so many years now. So I guess um, that was the best moment for me. Even now when I'm talking about it, you can see I'm a little more, yeah. So I, that's probably she, uh, Isani, Suhani, Anika Kolan, Gargi. So all of these people, I've, I've, we've seen them since they were kids. So it's a really a touching moment for me to having been able to lead them And my role over the past couple of years has definitely changed, I would say since 2020, is about trying to mentor these girls, give them a better environment, being able to give them the future and how the USA cricket, how they were going to take it forward from here. So I have realized that role really well. So I think my whole focus has changed about not about me as personally, but as a team, how are we going to grow and how are we going to give them this environment for these girls who are already so talented to get to their next level. And it's funny that we don't even mention Geetika Kodali in this, but she's just 18 years old. But we've already accepted that Geetika Kodali is in the next level because she has been playing since 15 years old. So 
that is that is what we're looking at moving these girls into that level where they're able to take it forward from here Cindy your teammates they're going to think uh you've gone soft after all this yelling at them that you do from time to time and this intensity that you show on the field <laughs> that's true right I mean they know how I am on the field there in fact now the parents have started telling me that parents are scared to talk to me now not just the kids <laughs> even the parents are scared to talk to me <laughs> Well, on the field, they all know that I mean business and um, I can be pretty hard on them on the field, but they understand it's all for the good of the game. I'm a fierce competitor. Even if you're playing a warm-up game, everybody knows how I am during the warm-up games. I can, I've probably heard people during warm-up games itself because I'm just so competitive when I'm on the field. We'll get back to the USA stuff in a bit, but for now, I want to talk about more about the fair break event that's coming up. Very prestigious crop of players that's been roped in for this event basically everybody who's a star from around the world and some of the franchise events like the women's hundred and women's big bash and everything from around the world except for india unfortunately the india players doesn't look like they're going to be able to take part in this event which is a shame but it says said you're one of the captains you're captain in the warriors squad you've got Susie bates new zealand star she's captain the falcons Stefani Taylor is captain of the Tornadoes team. Heather Knight, you mentioned earlier, Heather Knight, the England captain, is going to be captaining the Barmy Army. And then two Pakistani players, Bisma Maruf and Sanamir, are the other two captains. So quite an illustrious group. And then got so many players littered through those squads who are elite players. Sophia Dunkley from England, Danny Wyatt from England. You've got Marizan Cap from South Africa. And then going back to the associate team, there's quite a few Thailand players, Sonar and Tibok, the former Thailand captain out of Kanchantam. She's in the spirit squad, captain by Bisma Maruf. Janita Sutiruang. She made her name in the qualifier in Scotland a couple of years ago when, when Thailand qualified for the first T20 World Cup as really a dynamic swing bowler, but she's mm-hmm. increased her batting prowess over the last few years since then. Stair Callis from the Netherlands mentioned Catherine Bryce, Sarah Bryce, her sister is also in one of the other squads. So there's quite an illustrious group of players. And as I said, can't leave the Americans out. Tara Norris is in the Barmy Army squad. The dual national. So she she can fit in with the, the Barmy Army squad, Captain by Heather Knight. And then you've got Shivani Bhaskar and Gitika Kadali who are in the Sapphire squad. So how did you get roped in to this event? First of all, I should say Sean Martin, who's the man behind this whole, the vision, I should say, this whole vision that he started building. He has been talking about this tournament that he has wanted to do since 2018. The first time I ever talked to Sean Martin was in 2018 when he started the whole fair break moment. Um, I was supposed to play with them in 2018, but I uh, I was pregnant then and I couldn't. Uh, so the next time that he contacted me in 2020 that he wanted to you know, do another tournament in Australia, I grabbed it with both my hands, met Sean Martin there, and that's where he mentioned about this tournament. And it sounded really good. And of course, this is the next best for us, at least associate level crickets. This is the next best after World Cup, right? After World Cup, what is the next thing? You know, actually, this seems like the next best thing. So uh, for associate level cricket uh, cricketers, I know there's Big Bash League, uh, Women's Big Bash and the 100. Um, when I think about franchise level cricket, cricket, anything for women. So when he first mentioned to me, it sounded so good to us. It was still a vision. So it was not something that we could, uh, it was something that, you know, we, he had a faith in, we still couldn't see it. 
But when it all started coming in together, uh, Sean reached out to me in October last year, even before any of this had gone into any public. And he wanted me to lead a team. Um, and then uh, he would be interested in roping me in. And even without thinking twice, I had not asked him about any other details. And I just said, count me in. I don't know about any other details, how he's going to work this out, and how, what, how big the tournament is going to be, who are the players. We had no idea. But when he reached out to me, I just said, yes, rock me in. And, you know, I'm going to be there no matter how, uh, where or how the tournament is going to, going to go on. So, um, so I have known Sean for a while now. So that's how they reached out to me. And I must have done something right in Australia in 2020 for them to have reached out to me and offered me to lead the team. Definitely having Sanamir in the team in 2020, it definitely did help us a lot. Sana is a great leader. If you have ever talked to Sana Mir, I think she's one of the most down-to-earth person that I've ever met. So she was really good. And she did give me an opportunity, a couple of games to lead the team, even though she was the captain of the fair break in 2020 in, in Australia. But she allowed me, to play, uh, allowed me to play the role of the captain. And she was, of course, there on the field guiding me through it. So I'm sure they probably saw something in me there and maybe offered me uh, the role. And of course, Mignon is there and who's going to be playing the role of a mentor for me during this tournament. So looking forward to it, very excited. I still don't know how are we going to do this, but as a team together, I'm sure we'll figure it out. The game itself will get all of us together. So I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. Looking forward to sharing the stage with all of the other five captains that you mentioned. And you're going to be kicking off the tournament on the opening night. There's an opening ceremony on May 4th, and then you're playing the Curtain Razor, the Falcons and the Warriors. So that's the squad captained by Susie Bates. No pressure, Sindhu. <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, of all the five captains, I've had some kind of uh, interactions with all of them. So I, I think it's easier for me in the sense Stephanie Tyler, as what I've known Stephanie Tyler since 2015 or 2016, she came over to USA a couple of times and I've met her, met her in Zimbabwe. So um, Steph and I, we've known each other for a while now. Susie Bates was my mentor during the 2020 mentorship program that USA Cricket was going through. All of us had mentors during the 2020. We had the online program, USA uh, staff. Julia Price was very, very good in trying to get us as much mentorship as possible during the 2020. So Susie Bates was my mentor. So I have talked to Susie Bates. We've had many conversations. I've also had a conversation with Heather Knight as we had weekly competitions during the 2020 USA program to keep us all occupied in any, any kind of cricket or any kind of team activity bonding. So I had one, one of the weeks and as a Winner, I had this opportunity to have a one-hour conversation with Heather Knight in 2020. Sana Mir, of course. Sana Mir, I've uh, played with her. My first interaction with her was in 2005 when I toured Pakistan with the India Under-21 team. So it's a funny story. Uh, Sana's, Sana Mir's first wicket, unofficially, because that was not an official tournament, was me. And the last game that she played before she announced her retired was with me. So it, it was kind of a full circle and I've had conversations with her about that and she did say it seems like a full circle. I was her first wicket, which was unofficial again, but the last game that she played before she announced her retirement, she did it right after the fair break 2020, after the World Cup. So that was the last game as well that she played with me. So I think it was a full circle. 
out of all the five, Bisma Maharuf will be the first time that I'll be interacting with. You mentioned Stefani Taylor and Susie Bates. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Susie Bates came to Texas a few years ago with Charlotte Edwards for some coaching work and development work. So there's been quite a few high-profile players. Stefani Taylor has played in a number of events, I think, in Georgia and perhaps a few other places in the U.S. I think she's come to New York maybe a few times as well to play in some T20 events that were geared around holiday weekends. There's kind of a much bigger spotlight on the players who come into the U.S. for the private franchise T20 events on the men's circuit. You get an awful lot of West Indian players, Nicholas Poron and Andre Russell and Dwayne Bravo and a lot of those types of players. And you get a lot of players from Pakistan who will come in, Umar Akmal and Cameron Akmal have come in a number of times. And Sohail Tanvir was in Houston recently as well for the Houston Open. But there's not as much attention or maybe awareness of the fact that similar things are happening in America on the women's scene. What has your experience been like getting to interact with the likes of Stefani Taylor and Susie Bates on a person-to-person basis, whether it's in a match in one of these T20 events or as was the case in Houston a couple years ago when Charlotte Edwards came to Houston, which itself was born out of an opportunity with the MCC a few months earlier in Philadelphia that she made a return trip mm-hmm. and brought Susie Bates with her. I'm just curious to get your insight into what these experiences are like in terms of how they help bring a positive effect on the USA women's cricket community. A lot, right? I mean, in fact, uh, Charlotte Edwards was also in this camp in Houston when we had this specialized camp. It was a few years back. I was in, yeah, it was 2017. So it had been, I think, March 2017. It was right before. So right around the same time that there was a men's camp, men were about to go off to Uganda. The women came to Texas at the same time. Not all the USA women's squad, but a select group of, of USA women's players came and Charlotte Edwards was there at the same time as well as a fairly yeah. Susie Bates, if you can correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Charlotte Edwards, actually, in that camp, uh, we were just the six six of the women specialized ba- batters that we were called on for that camp. She was available just, I, sh- I should say, just an hour or so. And in that just that one hour, we were doing a fielding drill. And she happened to put herself and started fielding with us and changed the whole attitude towards fielding in just one hour and showed us how we need to be um, aggressive on the field and how as a fielder you're supposed to be looking I mean getting ready for the ball and just that one hour she made so much of a difference in trying to tell us that how we should be approaching fielding itself as a player and I think those are the fine-tuning stuff that they give us be it Susie Bates or um, Charlotte Edwards or Stephanie Taylor when they've come has made a huge difference to us as cricketers I would say off late, we haven't had any of these interactions. Maybe the younger generations haven't met any of these players. The the younger group from the past two to three years hasn't had this. They haven't really met any of these people. But I think this younger group definitely need to be exposed to those cricketers. They right now only look at them on TV and, and that's how they have been exposed to cricketers. But I think definitely having those exposures to the younger cricketers would help them as well. With Susie Bates, I've had multiple conversations. Like I said, she was my mentor. And in 2020, like, you know, we didn't have any cricket and there was a lot of focus on our mental preparations and how we can mentally prepare ourselves for the game. And Susie Bates, like, really helped me in terms of 
making me understand that how uh, you prepare off the field is so much more important than what you do on the field. I can give you an example. I'm being vulnerable here. So I come across as a very structured cricketer. I have a list of things that has to go right on the day of the game or the day before the game for me to feel that I'm in that space, that in the right space to be able to perform well. So when I was talking through to Susie Bates and uh, she told me like, have you ever made a list of things that you think is important for you in, before a game to make you feel within the focus, you know, that you're in the right space. So I sat down and made a list of things that I actually think is important for me to think that this is, these are the things, 22 items. It's a 22 things that I need to be, it needs to be done for me to play that one ball that I play for a few seconds on the field. And then I started striking out what are these 22 items which does not impact you know, any of my performance on the field. Like for example, I can give you things like, I have to get up from the right side of the bed or I have to take a sh and I, I wash my hair before I go to a game. None of these really matters on the field, what I do. It's just the bat and the ball. She just helped me open that mind up. And in 2022, when I played this 2021 last season, out of those 22, I strike down most of it. And right now I have eight, which is still a work in progress. But from 22 to eight, I got it down to eight, eight items. And nobody really gives you these things, right? And I, will, I got exposed to it because I had these conversations with Susie. But she opened my eyes to look at things differently. And I was so much more freer. And the whole, the whole season last season, I was so much more free in my mind. I, all I had to do was go react to the ball and it actually showed on my performance as well. So I realized none of, so those little small conversations you have is what changes you. I would say that's what I got from Susie Bates. Very fascinating insight about what players from other countries are doing and how they prepare and no better player than Susie Bates. In terms of whether your own squad or one of the opposition squads, who are you most looking forward to play with as a teammate that you haven't played with before? And who are you most looking forward to compete against if there's one particular bowler that you're looking forward to take on to test your skills against in an opposition in the squad? Who would those two players be and why? Playing with Mignon Dupree, definitely looking forward to working with her very closely. She being also my mentor for leadership. And I think definitely uh, looking forward to working with her, Haley Matthews and Catherine Bryce. Uh, we've played against Catherine Bryce a couple of times now, so um, I've known what Catherine Bryce is capable of against USA team, but it will be definitely, I'm happy that she is with us now and I can play with her and, you know, pick up brains on, you know, how she looks forward to, you know, how, how does she prepare herself and things like that. But against uh, the bowler that I'm definitely looking forward to play is my Zen Cap, simply because she's probably the number one bowler too with the, and how fierce she's on the field and the way she comes across and challenges the batter. I think I'm just looking forward to that challenge uh, to face my Zen Cap. And that could happen on the very first night of the tournament. Yeah. Take it on yeah, that the <laughs> On the calendar, this is the other thing that stood out to me. This is May in Dubai. This isn't February in Dubai or November in Dubai. This is May in Dubai. And now some of these matches are going to be played at nighttime, which will help matters a little bit. But there are a number of games. Every day is a doubleheader. You've got four or 4.30 games and then an 8 or an 8.30 game every night. So I'm curious, 
what kind of training did you put in in terms of extra work to try and make sure you're best prepared from a fitness standpoint because you could be seeing temperatures well over 100 degrees fahrenheit over 40 degrees celsius and it's gonna i would imagine test the fitness levels of a hell of a lot of players and i'm curious how you and the other players are anticipating how to manage that over the course of this 12-day event and also we're coming off our winter and uh, which is also spring right now so yeah uh, definitely it is going to be challenging but I think I've been fortunate enough that we still have Bert Cockley with us, you know, working very uh, closely with all, all of the US cricketers, giving us programs. And I have been pretty consistent in trying to keep up with those programs and uh, worked really hard the past couple of years to definitely work on my fitness. And I think that's been the key uh, focus for the past couple of years, I should say, since my pregnancy to come back and be better than what I used to be. So Bert Cockley has actually did design special program for the just the few of us that we were going uh, to Dubai definitely a lot of strength training and a lot of conditioning and I think what helps for me as well as I live in Livermore which is a valley in the Bay Area so in summers it goes uh, up to 100 and 105 so I'm kind of used to that temperature play a lot in that temperature and also I do a lot of running during those summer times I'm used to it but we are coming off a winter so it's going to be interesting definitely but just keep ourselves hydrated and do all the right things and do our recoveries right the night before and we will be fine. What else are you looking forward to most about this event? Definitely interacting with all of the cricketers that are going to come from every part of, of the world, actually. And uh, I do have a couple of friends who have who's today um, a German captain, Anuradha Dutbapur, I have played cricket with her when she was in her teens in back home in uh, India and Bangalore. So I'm looking forward to catching up with a few of them, definitely having uh, bigger conversations on cricket in general and what can I get back from there to and give it, pass it on in the future for in the USA cricket, right? Try and take in as much as possible information about what happens in each of their countries and how they prepare and what, what facilities are available and or what is not available and what do they make do with those, you know, and those are the conversations I'm looking forward to having and gathering as much information as possible. Be the sponge that I can be and take in as much as I can and come back and, you know, share it with our girls and, you know, see what I can give back. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. First time in Dubai, so definitely looking in, uh, looking to going out there and uh, seeing the city as well. Dubai Marina, there's an awful lot to see in various parts of the city, but Dubai Marina is probably my favorite part, not least because there's a five guys in Dubai Marina. You can't, can't miss out on the five guys in Dubai. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Anurata Dodabalapur, the German captain, who, as you said, is also a former Karnataka player. We'll get to that part of your career in a bit as well. Anurata Dodabalapur, Christina Goff, another very talented German player who featured at the Europe women's T20 World Cup qualifier that I was part of the commentary team on. She performed very, very well as a bowler in particular. One of the things that stands out to me about this event is the organizers have taken a very unique approach. You don't see in franchise competitions elsewhere in women's or men's cricket for that matter. And it's an emphasis on at least from a on paper perspective, when I scan the squads, they've really made an effort to not just give opportunities to the premier players in the tests and full member nations around the world, and even amongst the associate nations. It's not only the elite associates like Thailand 
or a Scotland or a USA who are the best teams emerging as the champions from regional qualifiers or the Netherlands as well. But you look up and down the list, Germany, who finished third in the Europe women's qualifiers, got several players who they're represented in this event. I mentioned before the Philippines, you've got number of players from Hong Kong. Hong Kong is currently touring UAE for women's events. That's part of why there's a number of Hong Kong players there. But you've also got players from Papua New Guinea, you've got a player from Sweden, you've got a player from Vanuatu, at least one player from Japan, from Kuwait, player from Malaysia in this event. Nepal is also represented, Austria, Bhutan. I mentioned also, again, before Brazil, Roberto Moretti Avery, Laura Cardozo. Rwanda is represented and it seems to me that maybe I don't want to leave anybody out somebody's going to be offended if I don't mention them in their country just from looking on paper it's clear not only do they want high performance in terms of quality by recruiting elite level players but the organizers at least from the looks of it they're trying to create an environment where as I said not just the top tier associates like yourself Scotland Netherlands Thailand but those mid-tier and even lower tier associates who never get this kind of opportunity are going to get a chance to rub shoulders, expose themselves, test themselves, but just mm-hmm. as importantly, just be in the presence of these other players. You use the word be a sponge, soak up as much as they can in terms of in-person, getting up close and personal to see how these players operate, how they prepare for a game, how they act on the field, not just batting and bowling, but what they're doing outside of batting and bowling. I would also imagine the change room interactions, the conversations, whether it's on the field, off the field, in the hotel, there's so many opportunities that are going to be part of this event that a lot of these players have never gotten the chance to experience before. And I'm curious what your thoughts are as an American player, not just on behalf of America, but for the entire associate world to see all these other players from various other associate countries getting an opportunity to interact and take lessons. And as you said, again, one of the the phrases you use, bring back the lessons to your own national team from the conversations you've had with the organizers. What do you think was the intention behind this? And what do you think the effect will be after this event in terms of improving cricket standards across the board for women's cricket? Fair break. That's their vision and the mission is to give equal opportunities and treat everybody in you know in fair i realized this when we went in australia went to australia in 2020 the more emphasis is on trying to give us the opportunity to go out there and express ourselves it's not more emphasis is not on trying to win the games it's more about giving opportunities to everybody giving us that environment that full member team uh, or full member player uh, is given giving us the same equal grounds and facilities being treated as the same full member players. So I think I felt that when I went in in Australia 2020, that we were all treated like we were contracted players. And uh, even though we were not in 2020, we were not, it was just a one-off tournament. But Sean, uh, who's the fair breaker, you know, the, the man behind it. And he made sure that he treated all of us that we were like a full member team. He wanted to make us feel like we were no less than a full member player and giving us that exposure to go out there and just express ourselves. We are not in level of a full member player uh, as an associate level cricket is also one of the reasons is we do not have equal, we do not have the same opportunities that they have. They have a full domestic structure. They play in cricket 365 days. That's what makes them a better player because that's their profession. In associate level, if we are provided the same opportunities and same opportunities like them, and we are playing as professionals, 
we would be competing with them and we would be challenging them. It's about showing that, and I think fair break is that's what they're trying to do and give you that opportunity and show you that you can reach there by having the right opportunity and we will make that happen for you. So that is their mission. So I think they have lived up to it. I'm definitely looking forward to going out there and definitely playing with all of the other country players. There's going to be so much learning in the next couple of weeks. I hope I can live up to all of those uh, learnings and take it back, take as much as possible and come back, you know, a little more wiser than what I am and a little more gray hair than what I have right now. <laughs> so I'm definitely looking forward to it. And what a start for the tournament, right? I mean, it can only go high from here. This is just the first edition of this Fair Break Invitational. How big is it going to be the next one? So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this tournament is going to turn out. And definitely looking forward to more of our USA girls representation in the next few years. And it's not just on the field, but off the field as well. You've got Julia Price, the USA head coach. She's the head coach for your Warriors squad. And Julia Abbott is part of the management team as well, who's been around in the US women's scene for quite a while. Now, some people might argue, well, Julia Price is Australian and Julia Abbott's English, but in the associate sphere itself, again, the opportunity is Sue Strachan, Dr. Sue Strachan, who's been all around this Cricket Scotland scene for a long time. She's the current Cricket Scotland president of Cricket Scotland. She's part of the management team for the Sapphire squad. Esther DeLonga, former Dutch international, and Vaishali Jesrani out of Oman. They're part of the Spirit squad, captained by Bisma Maruf. So again, it's not just on the field, it's off the field. The opportunities are extended to enhance what's going on in the associate sphere. What does it mean to you to not just have Julie and Julia there, but also the fact that you've got three other teammates who are going to be able to share in the experience as well? Oh, well, it's going to be, I mean, Pricey is going to be my, our coach and uh, Julie, our manager and somebody who I've worked with so many years so closely. So at least that combination of the three of us is uh, intact in this tournament. <laughs> and of course, we have Sean Kelly, who's going to be the assistant coach uh, with us. And she also has been, around, uh, has come and played a, a couple of games with us. And when we had the USA Women versus the All-Stars team. And I've actually also met Tina from uh, Germany team that you mentioned, Tina Goff as, as well. So a lot of these exposures have, at least as a USA cricketer, I've had this opportunity to meet these people and I've been in the right place at the right time to have this opportunity as well. And I'm definitely looking forward to the others that are going to be involved, like Charlotte Edwards is also part of one of the teams, I believe, as the coach. She's not on the list I've seen, but you could be right. It could be an updated list. Lydia Greenway is definitely... Yeah, Lydia uh, Greenway, yeah. Lydia Greenway is with the Barmy Army squad with, that's captained by Heather Knight. So yes. again, very And Andrew Jane from India. So that's an opening for uh, the cricketers and the coaches around the world as well, right? It's an opening for them too. And uh, in the end, it's about women empowerment and trying to give the women the opportunities to go out there and, and uh, showcase their skills. And uh, that's a great opportunity for them as well. Uh, and in the future, to build that skills out there because they're not much franchisee cricket for women as of now, but I'm definitely changing in the future. So just opens up a lot more um, opportunities and also career opportunities for as us as cricketers for the future. The other USA players, as I said, Tara Norris is going to be in the Barmy Army squad. Captain by Heather Knight is also in that squad. It's not just an English-specific squad. you got Laura Wolvart from South Africa, who's been in sensational form in the last year. 
Selena Solomon is the player from Vanuatu, but DeAndre Dotton, who again has been outstanding over the years for the West Indies, is in that squad as well. Roberta Avery, the captain from Brazil. And then the Sapphire squad, it's got the other two USA players, Gitika Kadali, Shabani Oscar in that squad, captain by Sanamir, Kim Garth from Ireland, Gabby Lewis, who's been outstanding in the last couple of years for Ireland, as well as Babette Delayda, who also started in the European qualifier for the Netherlands. She was outstanding there. Tash Farrant, Shabnam Ishmael, who is the other speedster from South Africa. So it's not just you who's getting a chance to, to be in a locker room surrounded by elite talent. These other players who are part of the USA setup are going to be there. Now, I know you said fair break. It's not about winning necessarily. It's about getting a chance to play, but got to be bragging rights up for grabs amongst the USA players. What what's it mean to you? Are you going to take a little extra intensity? Are you going to kick it up a notch when you're taking on the Sapphires and, and the Barmy Army just to hold it over uh, Tara and Shabani and Gadika when, when they come back to the USA dressing room? Definitely. I'm sure when Geets is going to bowl to me or Tara is going to be bowling to me, they are going to go all out. And Geets has already told me a couple of times saying that don't take me easy. Now I'm going to come up to you. And and we've had that conversation. And Tara is Tara. Tara is the fierce competitor on the field. She doesn't see who the batter is. She's just going to go for your head. So that's what Tara is. So um, definitely looking forward to playing against them, which is not, not very, doesn't happen very often. And Shabani as well. And you know what Shabani is and what she can do with the batter none of us can do so i'm just looking forward to it we've played a little bit against each other when it comes to west and east so that has uh that has happened before with shebs and geats but playing against tara will be the first time so looking forward to it um on the field i'm sure we're going to fight very hard against each other but off the field we are all great uh, friends so looking forward to definitely meeting up with them it's been a few months since uh december november and december last year to now so definitely looking forward to uh, meeting all the three of them. <laughs> this episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now the first ODI accredited venue in the Lone Star State, located at 5515 McKeever Road, County Road 100 in Pearland. Five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288, a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms, plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. Musa also has two nursery grounds on the north side of the stadium boundary available for use. For more information, visit www.musastadium.com. That's M-O-O-S-A stadium.com. Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Now, I want to go all the way back to growing up in Karnataka from Bangalore originally, and you're a long-time part of the Karnataka setup in Indian domestic cricket, and you mentioned you made your debut, your first class debut, or your list A debut in 2005, you played as part of an India under 21 squad against Pakistan women. You also played, there was a match uh, between Delhi and Karnataka that year as well, Indian domestic women's championship, but then second match, Pakistan women against the India under 21s. So coming up on the Karnataka circuit, first off, in that era, late 90s, early 2000s, cricket has always been a sport in the Indian domestic scene where women's funding women's development has been way 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 behind and neglected compared to the men's cricket and opportunities are not or have not or were not nearly as plentiful and the encouragement wasn't nearly as strong as it was 
for the men's team until only very, very recently. So I'm curious, how did you get into cricket in an environment where it wasn't really necessarily perhaps encouraged for women or girls? And who were some of your early mentors and role models who gave you the confidence and encouragement to make you want to pursue a career path in Karnataka and potentially with the Indian women's team? Just like any other Indian, right? So I played a lot of cricket on the streets um, since when I was probably seven or eight years old. So all I did was just play cricket on the streets with the boys. I think I happened to be in the right place at the right time all through my career. So far, I lived on the same street as uh, Smita Hari Krishnan, who's a former India player. I lived on the same street as her and she happened to look at me playing with the boys and she mentioned that there is women's cricket. Would you be interested? This was when I was nine years old or so. So she introduced me to a formal coaching kind of, uh, there was just one coaching camp, which was a non-profit really. It was some of the girls, uh, some of the former players, senior players, just conducting a camp and trying to get in as many cricketers as women cricketers, girls cricket as, as much as possible. So she introduced me into that cricket camp, maybe when I was nine or 10 years old. But the real turning point was and when I was 12 or 13. Today, even she, he's my coach, even till today, I still call him up for many things, is Irfan Seth. He took over Karnataka women's team in 20, I, I can't remember the year, but when I was probably a 12 or 13 years. And that was the turning point for all of us cricketers in that era, I should say that he provided us so much opportunities to develop. He treated us as his uh, own daughters and gave us equal opportunities, be it boys or the girls. We had the facilities open 24 bar seven from morning till night with everything, like we had bowling machines, we had balls available when we won. We, we had bowlers when available. There were hours together that he spent with us trying to develop us as cricketers that we are today. I definitely say that was the biggest turning point. Having met Irfan sir, we still call him as our uh, father of uh, father of Karnataka women's team just because he literally treated us as his daughters. So that was definitely the turning point. Uh, like you mentioned, definitely a lot of my initial years before BCCI took over women's cricket, all of the tournaments that I played was from my own pocket. So everything that we played, all state cricket, anything over after the state cricket was industry and zonal cricket, everything was out of my pocket. So I definitely have to thank my parents being able to support me through it, right? I mean, they didn't see the future, they didn't see a career out of it, but they were still able to support me through it if I'm playing all age group levels under 16, under 19 and seniors, that's a lot of money going out. And I was not the only uh, daughter. I also have a brother. So they had to take care of both of us. So definitely I have to thank them that they stick to it. They saw that I was interested in it and they pushed me towards it. Definitely a lot. And once BCCI took over, it was a different story. So once BCCI took over, things changed overnight, I should say. We had flight tickets to go through. We had three stars or five star hotels that we were staying in and we were we had we were sharing rooms with two other person before that we stayed in schools in dormitories and uh, we had tournaments during summer vacation so the school rooms were our you know dormitories that we stayed with so overnight things changed once bcci took over so i was part of this both i was playing before bcci and post bcci so i have seen the growth as well and that's how i feel i'm seeing the growth over here in the us because I saw the growth in India moved over before I could actually bear the fruits of that. I moved over here and then I'm actually now seeing 
how cricket is developing in the U.S. It's the same circle that I'm going through here in the U.S. Made your debut as a 16-year-old, list A mm -hmm. debut, as I said. That was against Delhi. The match was in Chennai. It was a quarterfinal in the Indian Women's Domestic Tournament, list A tournament. The scorecard I got in front of me says you scored 52 in a losing effort. Delhi won by 70 runs, but you scored a half century. You mentioned growing up on the same street as an Indian international, but in the Karnataka squads that you played with, you were also surrounded by other players, Mamata Mabin and Veda Krishnamurti and Tirush Kamani. There were a number of players that you got a chance to be around who were Indian internationals very early in your career while still a teenager. But as a 16-year-old on debut, what do you remember about that day? I really don't think that was my debut because I think we don't have scorecards from the beginning of when I actually started playing. <laughs> this is this is one of the issues, Sindhu. This is why I, I've taken great pains to try and track stuff in U.S. women's cricket because I've seen the evidence, the lack yeah. of evidence. Some of the stuff, the, the record keeping, the historical documentation, it's just not there. And this frustrates the hell out of me, Sindhu. <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely not because I had my first, I played my under 16, I should say, when I was 10 years old, which was in 98, 98 or 90, uh, 99. Uh, so, and I probably played the seniors in 2000 sometimes. So um, that wasn't uh, the debut, but I definitely don't remember the game that you're talking about in this. So, so, all right. So if you weren't 16, when you made your senior team debut, how old do you think you were? Do you remember? I definitely remember the game. I remember the debut game. It was in Trivandrum, Kerala. It was against Andhra Pradesh. Uh, now Hyderabad, you can say, but Andhra Pradesh, it was in 2001 or two, I think. I didn't do anything in the game other than just fielding for 50 overs. And I was so enthusiastic the whole 50 overs that uh, I was running all through uh, the entire 50 overs. And I had one run out, I remember, which got just that one run out got me and another game for the next game that I played was just because I think the captain then, Mamta Mebin, thought that I was so good on the field as a fielder that she said that I had to be um, definitely rewarded with another game. And I got another game the next uh, day. So I was probably only 13 or even less. Can't even remember. Mom to Maven, a longtime teammate of yours in the Karnataka setup, played for India. And you left out Diana David, was another player I went through the scorecards who played for India and mentioned Veda Krishnamurti and Tirish Kamani. I want to go to, you mentioned playing against Pakistan for India under 21s. That was in. October 2005. Maybe that's why Cricket Archive has got your first listed scorecard as February 2005, because when you make it to the India women under 21s, then they start to pay attention a little bit more and try and keep mm. a little bit better record of what you're doing in yeah. terms of your batting and wicket keeping and all that other stuff. I want to fast forward to your best years, as far as I can tell, going through the, the, the archives on a Cricket Archive. We're in that 2007 to 2009 time frame when you would have been 18, 19 years old. That's when you scored your, let's say, hundreds. Your first one for Karnataka, you scored 115 not out, and you were part of a 271-run partnership with Karuna Jane in a victory over the Andhra Pradesh women. This was in September 2007. What do you remember about that match? You're made in list A 100. 
it was in Anandpur, a very good grounds. Uh, I don't know if we can pull that up, but it's it's a very good grounds at that time. Um, you remember that was the first, uh, that was the best ground turf wickets that we were playing in the South Zone. I remember, I think I walked in as in the first over, I was walking as number three. I can't believe, I think it was the first over itself because Vanita VR, who was the other, uh, who is also a former India Now player, um, I think got out for a duck, if I'm right. Oh, okay, I do remember. Okay. She was run out. She was run out. Oh, oh, in, okay. a, in a match where two, her two teammates scored centuries, she's run out for a duck. Yeah. Poor girl. I feel for her now. I think she actually came back and did some running for me because I had cramps and she came back and did some running for me. I, I, I really feel for her now. But Karuna Jain and I have had plenty of partnerships. Um, Karuna Jain, as we all know, is a former India player as well, a former India keeper. And it, it so happened that we both were in the same team for the state. And of course, we were sharing keeping opportunities as well, keeping duties for Karnataka. So Karuna and I have had uh, many partnerships that one of this, this was this and definitely um, not my first hundred again. Sorry, Peter, to <laughs> spoil your fun there, but uh, definitely. Fake news. Um, I'm, I'm the king of fake news in American cricket. So you should know. <laughs> no, that's, that's, not, that, that's not on you, really. It's really not on you. I think it's. <laughs> Even if I want to go back and look into my score cards today, I don't think I will get it. But nevertheless, at least we have this. It was probably very hot as what I can remember. So, uh, but we, we got we to gotta say the record straight here. So, Crick Info and Cricket Archive, they've only got you as scoring two list A hundreds. You're saying that's a lie. No, I have, uh, I think, two more. One in the under, I don't know if under 19 falls into the category. Does it list? No, the under 19 doesn't count. This is just senior senior level matches. Okay, and then the, they should be right. Yeah. So we got something right. Yeah, yeah. The clock is right yeah. twice a day. <laughs> yeah, but debut is definitely not right. But yeah, I'll take the, yeah, this one. But I guess it was a, a great partnership since what you're saying, it's 200 plus and it's, how many years back now? It's 2007, you said? Yep. Yeah. Uh, too, too many years back for me to remember. It almost feels like another life for me, uh, what I've played in India to what I've done here. So, yeah, too many years back. September 12th, 2007. It's just a, a week later, Yuvraj hit his six sixes against Stuart Broad. So. Oh, I actually remember that, watching that. I was sleeping through it. And Veda Krishnamurti was my team, uh, was my roommate. And uh, right after the tournament, and we were in Anantapur, and she woke me up. And I, I actually screamed at her when she woke me up, like, why are you waking me? And she's like, six, six, you have to watch this now. And this is Veda Krishnamurti. And uh, Veda Krishnamurti and I shared rooms for many years. Uh, so, yeah, was, I do remember that, six, sixes. Now, your second list A100 at senior level came against Kerala. This was just over a year later, November 2008. Karuna Jane was your captain for Karnataka on the day. 127 not out, open the batting. So the, the other century, you scored coming in at number three, but it was, as you said, in the opening overs of play. This one, you open the batting, you bat all 50 overs, 127 not out off 159 balls, 15 fours in a win over Kerala. What do you remember about that performance? Because that was your highest list day score. You're asking me to go back 15 years or, you know, longer than that. But I do remember this one. Well, now, now, Sindhu, if you can remember Veda Krishnamurti shaking you awake out of bed to <laughs> watch the six sixes by Yuvraj, come on. This is yeah. the same time frame. 
yeah, but on the field, it's different. Like, I, I actually don't remember, uh, even today, if you ask me USA Cricket, uh, so I am somebody who plays the game and I, I keep aside my performances as long as there is no video of it. I do look, go back and look into my videos, but can't remember what I do on the field otherwise. But I do remember this game. I believe when I was in 80s or 90s, I can't remember if Mamta Mebin actually bats with me uh, during that game. She does. Oh, okay. I do remember. So I, I think it was about 80s or 90s. I was ready to give up. I was uh, out of steam definitely at that time. And it was it was same place in Anantpur. It was it was terribly hot and I was ready to give up. And she just told me that one thing that she told, she told me, I still remember today is you're not going to be getting these opportunities again. So get your hundred because you're not going to be in this situation, which seems like that was my last hundred anyway in, in, in Karnataka. But she literally pushed me to get that hundred because I was almost ready to give up at around when I was eighties and nineties. So I, I, that's what I remember of that uh, game. I guess that still lives with me and which is a very good uh, tip from Mamta Meben. So I should give it to her for that. Yeah. It was around that time, just a few months ago, you were picked for India A over the course of those three years, that 2007 to 2009 timeframe, and even into 2010, you were consistently being picked for the South Zone in the interstate domestic women's competition. But there's one other scorecard I want to ask you about, because I've talked to a few people who were familiar with what you were doing in that timeframe, and they consistently say they felt you were very, very close to getting picked for India, not just India, but India. And you talked about all these teammates you had, uh, Veda Krishnamurthy being your roommate and all these other players. And uh, you've got a, a look on your face that tells me, I think you might know where I'm going with this, but yes. there's a game, South Zone versus North Zone. So this is just a month after that century, December 27th in Kutuk. You scored 96. You opened the batting with Tirush Kamini. And for South Zone, you scored 96 in a win over North Zone. If you got those extra four runs, do you think it would have made a difference between you getting a chance to play for India or not? Uh, tough question. So you're asking me to dig deep now, but I don't know if those four runs is gonna, would have made a difference because at the end of the day, I don't think it, it's, it's about um, getting those four runs. But I would have been happy to get the 100 I don't know if I would have done anything differently from what I've done in my uh, previous, I almost say the India career is my previous career, but I don't know if I've done any, if I would have done anything differently from what has happened with my career in India, something that I definitely believe that I could have done better to make it to the team would have been a little more focus on my uh, fitness. I think I got into this whole understanding what, how much fitness makes a difference into your sports or as an athlete, how fit you got to be. I think it took me a lot of time and I got to know only in my 20s or I should say almost late 20s, only after I moved here. So if I had the resources that I have today and if I could have uh, focused a little more on my fitness during my um, teenage days and like, like the kids today are focused on, I think I definitely would have made that team. I definitely tell myself that only thing that I would have done differently was, you know, more focus on my fitness. 
Unfortunately, Marizan Cap was not in the lineup when the Warriors squad took on the Falcons on the opening night of the Fairbreak Invitational, so Sindhu's ambition to get a chance to test herself against Marizan Cap didn't quite happen, but you never know, it could happen in the knockout stage of the event. We'll see what goes on there in Dubai from May 4th again through May 15th, the Fairbreak Invitational T20 event where Sindhu Sriharsha is among players from 35 different countries who are competing in a very, very unique, groundbreaking event for women's cricket. Keep an eye on her. We'll come back with Sindhu in part two in the next episode where she goes in-depth about how she got involved in the U.S. cricket scene after coming over from Karnataka and settling in Northern California. So stay tuned for that. want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the podcast on Patreon. All the patriots who contribute to this podcast and who have subscribed so far make it happen on an episode-by-episode basis, and I appreciate all the support from the patriots who are involved in the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast through Patreon. Go to patreon.com. And I also want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes on YouTube if you're watching the video version or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM. That's it for this episode. I'm Peter Delpenner reminding everybody, God bless America and God bless American cricket. Cricket.